0: And I'm here this evening uh, talking with Lenny Van Horn. Lenny, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, what I thought we might do is, and I do definitely want to talk to you a little bit about you know, your current work, but maybe going back first if we could. Uh, it would be interesting to really hear uh, in terms of, uh, the, of your early life experiences or childhood experiences, you know, where to really understand and maybe share with the audience a little bit about where you, uh, you, know, where you draw from in terms of your material and, oh, okay. and your experiences.
1: I'm still looking for change in this couch.
0: <laughs> let me know let me know it could, it could work out
1: <laughs> i grew up in uh in on in oklahoma city in south okc and uh, when i say that I normally get a lot of booze hmm. but it was kind of you know it wasn't a it wasn't a lovely neighborhood you know it wasn't uh like the top 10 ghettos of the united states but uh you know you trip over like drunk homeless people sometimes walking down the alley stuff like that but uh yeah i draw from uh, the dysfunction of where i grew up my family and my parents and uh, it just was not a normal household mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like a leave it to beaver it was like this is madness sometimes my parents would fight a lot and i remember one time my dad like uh I don't remember the fights. I did, like, like, grabbed a bunch of meat out of the freezer and you start throwing it at the house. You know, wow. I don't, I don't know if I told you the story, threw it at the house. <laughs> I don't think you shared that one. Oh wow. It, it messed me up pretty good. Like I went to school in grade school and I was I was you know, I had my Thundercats lunchbox. This is in the eighties. I'm almost forty years old, this was in the eighties and I'm thinking about it. It's messing me up. I got my Thundercat's lunchbox, and I grabbed my meat out. And I just started throwing it at the wall. <laughs> dropped out of college I, didn't that. I messed up that joke by putting it in the 80s was, oh okay i was not in college see it's so much different sitting on this couch yeah like, this is cool though because like i like all this stuff back here i'm afraid it's going to come alive and then it's like a tim burton movie or something yeah it's going to attack me and
0: man is it different? I mean, I and this this just is kind of coming up in the moment. Is it different being funny? I mean, I know at the end of the day, you're, you know, being funny is just something that it happens, right? There's like it's kind of a an alchemy. It's so to a certain much degree, easier
1: when people are listening to you and they, they are drunk. Ah, okay. You know,
0: yeah. I was going to ask as far as like sitting down versus standing up. Is it a? I mean, it, is it? It
1: is different because uh, there's so many impulses in my body wanting me to jump up and run around. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You should stay put. <laughs> <laughs> For this thing. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah.
0: So as far as the uh, uh and I've seen, you know, I've seen some of your comedy and really enjoyed it, but it's and I do I love the you know, the some of the characters that you yeah, bring to life. Uh,
1: the characters, a lot of my comedy is character driven because uh um when I was younger, I was I was a musician like this guy. This guy's really good. Uh <laughs> I didn't do so well. I mean, we did well for a while, the band I was in, but I, I got really—that was in the '90s when I was a teenager—and uh, I think I continued playing playing in bands till like 2003 or four. But I just got really involved in that drug culture. I started to enjoy that more than playing music, and that dream just kind of slipped away from me. Mm. And in high school and college, my, my other one of my other things I enjoyed doing was theater. So, um, in high school and college, I I spent a lot of time in that and improv and uh, doing characters was just my my forte. Yeah. And and then once I started doing comedy about five years ago, that all started coming back to me. So, all the voice work and all the, but I don't like to do impressions, I don't like to, because people, there are, like, I'll go to these open mics and guys, and that's what they'll do, these, like, straight up impressions of. And they all do the same ones, Matthew McConaughey and Sylvester Stallone. So I try to just do character voices, and I, I make a story out of it. Oh, okay. You know, where I'm not just repeating, like, you know, your Adrian or something like that. You know, I'm doing an actual joke, you know. Yeah. So I like to think of it the more, like you said, characters. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, not watered-down impressions
0: absolutely and 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 i get the sense when i watch you know when i've watched you it's that you know these are things that you're bringing forth from your childhood you know things that you've experienced people that you've you know that you've met along the way and oh yeah
1: yeah and uh you know i'll take it and exaggerate it a little bit sometimes but yeah pretty much i base 90% of my jokes out of reality you know i don't uh, i'm you know i don't i don't know if i could just do fictional humor and mm-hmm. i don 't know that it would it would carry across with people, you know that well um I think i get I connect with people better in comedy um like I was telling you i am so lucky there's you know and if I would have been thinking I would have invited some of those people tonight but um uh, i didn't but you know there 's at least ten twenty people that aren 't comedians that I see come to my shows on a regular basis oh, I man. think a big reason is because i 'm I try to give them something. It's funny, but it's real. It's authentic. I'm not, you know, I'm trying really hard not to just do jokey jokes, you know. Or, oh, yeah. Or just write some one-liners that have nothing to do with me, you know. I talk about my crazy dad. I talk about uh, people calling me, trying to get a hold of my son for drugs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the dime bag. I definitely, that's that's yeah. definitely one of my favorites. That so. really happened. That was insane. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Of course, this just happened recently. My son, he's he's eighteen now. I think he was about about to turn eighteen, or he was eighteen. He borrowed my phone, and then like later that night, I get a text. So my son's name's Damien. He says, "Hey D, let me get a dime back." That's what it said on there. <laughs> and I called the dude back up. I said, "Hey man, what's up?" Is this is Damien. I go, nope. This is Damien's dad. Goes, oh man. He goes, oh really? I said, yeah. You said you want a dime bag, and he said, oh no, man, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I said, dude, let me explain something to you, man. You you sound like a really dumb kid. Uh, let me see if I can let me see if I can help you out here. Twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen. Nobody deals in fucking dime bags. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love so it! You want love... a half ounce, man? Get on your bike, get your ass over here, man! <laughs> Bring me that milk money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, and uh, and I was going to ask you too. Uh, I mean, is there you know looking back? I guess it would be really cool to share with the audience a little bit about you know just what drew you to comedy, or I mean, what you know what ultimately you know you led know, to you trying this.
1: Sometimes you. are dreams, um, they evolved, they change. Like I said, when I was younger, you know, and any time I watch someone play music, it kind of brings it back. You know, I, I wanted to be a musician for a long time. And uh, I was the lead singer in the band. It was a great time, but it just, you know, I, I got involved in some things that got, took me away from it, and then later on, you know, some time passed, and went through all these trials and tribulations problems with the law. I was, I was building this story, <laughs> I guess now I have to look at it now, all this stuff, you know, I, I spent time in jail. I had problems with drugs, uh, some psychological issues. And I, you know, I have to think now, that, um, not to borrow anything from Robert Downey Jr. But I have to think now it's for a higher purpose. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I was sitting around, I was real lazy, I gained a lot of weight because I I quit drugs and uh, all that stuff, but I was like just thinking, man, you look kind of funny, Hmm. you know, maybe, you know, and the one thing I did hate about being a musician, and I'm sure he can relate to this, is like, man, you have to carry all that damn equipment all the time, everywhere (laughs) you (laughs) go. as a comedian, I don't have to carry shit. Yeah. Sometimes, you just show sometimes, up. Huh? What? You don't have a stool? Okay, I'll bring one. Or you need a mic, I have one i You know, <laughs> something like that. But most of the time, this is yeah. it. This is all equipment I bring. Yeah. 250 pounds, this ugly. <laughs> you know? So, that, that's one thing. But, I, you know, I started thinking too, like, um, you know, all those, all that time I spent on my theater degree, I ended up dropping out. But i All that stuff I learned that I'm not doing anything with it. I thought maybe it could be helpful in comedy, you know, because I'm not not about to knock down the doors of acting anytime soon. Yeah. But it's funny. Now I do comedy, I get acting roles. I get, you know, I got a theater in Shawnee hit me up about something. They just sent me an email this morning. So, you know, it's opening up doors to other things I started. I was... Trying to do it one time or another, so yeah, it's it's really confusing. I don't have a good answer for you on that. It just kind of things happen, time passed, and now it's just like, "This is something I thought about to at one time or another." So mm. let's try this, and uh, yeah, it's very character-driven. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid, I just loved watching Morgan Mindy. I was just oh, yeah. fascinated by Robin Williams and his <coughs> bam, 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 you know. And uh, they actually had to that's when they started using those um, handheld cameras on the television set. Um, oh, that okay. Because they just got tired of... They couldn't keep up with them, you know. Man, so, that guy was always moving, wasn't he? I try to when I'm on stage. I'm nothing like him. He's insane. But, you know, I try to give a very energetic set um, when I'm on stage. You know, cause it's harder for people to ignore you when you do that, you know. And that's mm. the difference, too, like with music, like... And he probably knows me. Play music. Sometimes people might talk a little bit, but you can just play a little louder, you know. You can, but when you're telling jokes, man, people don't listen to you. That's a that's a raw feeling. <laughs> oh, wow! It's like you you really need that. That's like your backup vocals. Their laughter. It's like you're a jazz musician, and uh, they're like your backup musicians. Your drummer, your, you know, all those guys. Um, and if they're not, and they're part of it, and if they're not cooperating. It just gets really tough. Like I've done 30-minute sets that have just went amazing and like, man, that's over. You know, because a lot of times in the business what will happen is if you're doing a show somewhere and you're not a big, huge name, they'll tell you, all right, we're going to give you 30 minutes. When do you want us to give you a light? You know, like, like, like they'll give you a flashlight like from the back of the room say, oh, give it to me three minutes before 30 minutes is over. Mm. And that's what you'll get, you know, and then you'll see that light and you'll be like, man, damn, it's already over. Other times you'll be having a set and people will be like, you can hear a pin drop and you're like, where's that fucking light? Oh, (laughs) man. Where's it at? It's like you're, it's like you're, you're like, you're lost in the ocean and you see that, that lighthouse. Oh, Oh, man. I can wrap this up. Thank God.
0: Wow, are there times where it just it basically just kinda go I mean it goes I like that where it takes forever?
1: As much anymore. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. But there in the beginning, when I was figuring out joke structure and figuring out because uh, all I was using up there was just what I learned in theater and I was too talky. I wasn't mm. getting to the point. Um yeah, there were times like man. And it was only like five minutes sets back then. I was like, fuck, man, give me the light already! <laughs> you could save me, man. And then you get through and you're like, comedy, uh, and all art forms can be like this, but especially comedy, you'll go home and you'll will second guess yourself like crazy. Like, why the hell am I doing this? Oh, you know, man. It's I, a, yeah, it's a, because you're putting yourself right there in front of everybody and, and uh, it's the one time you want people to laugh at you, and they don't. Oh, man, it's, it's a very, you either learn something from it or you don't. That's what gets me. Like, every time it's happened to me, I I go do my homework. Okay, what did I do wrong? If I record it, I said I'll look at it. Okay. But I see some of these guys that have like, been doing it two or three years now, and they just still get that. And I'm like, how can you fuck? Hmm. <laughs> man. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah,
0: it's fine. Do you remember as far as, like, your first open mic? It, that it ended, went well. It
1: that was uh, at the Looney Bin Comedy Club. And uh, it went really good, in my first one. Um, but I was just so, I was like a, a balloon, because I've been thinking about doing this for a month. Oh, oh yeah. Just, <sighs> so that wasn't bad. And the way it was set up at the comedy club, it was kind of like a theater. In a way, you had that lighting that was kind of blinding, but at the time, it made me feel comfortable. Hmm. And I couldn't really, like, make anyone out unless I wanted to. You you have to kind of focus. Now, after that, I was approached by another comedian, and we're good friends now. His name is Matt Spurl. We actually met before outside. Nice guy. And uh, he's out of Tulsa now. Oh, okay. um, He um, said, hey, man. We got these open mics all over the place. I'm like, oh, cool. So I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, go tomorrow to uh, McSaltie's Pizza. And they had a little music venue in there, and we did comedy. And it was great. Same thing. And the next night, Leon's Lounge. Same thing. And then sooner or later, I went to, like he was talking about sauce, Mm. to a place like that where... There was it was way more intimate. It was more like this right here, like where I can make out everyone's face. Which now I'm comfortable with that, but back then I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's right there, and it, it was difficult for me. Yeah. But the funny thing is, I talked to other comedians, and that's where they like to start. Is places like that. They're just hmm. the opposite, and I wasn't. I was just. And then I got booked on one of my first shows. That um, it was called like. Something brute, not not twisted brute, but it was down here, mm. actually. It was like a um, soul food restaurant and they did poetry. And I, I don't know, man. There's just a bunch of old people in there eating and a uh, couple young people. And I just was not doing very well. And I remember this old African American couple trying to eat and just looking really disgusted at me. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, going man. over my scent in the back of my head. Was, like... Did I say something racist? What, no, you're just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just, you're just oh, terrible. That's what it is. Oh know? man! Wow. At least if you said something racist, you could say, "Oh, well, that was <laughs> stupid." You know, but no, nothing racist in my set. Nothing. Just probably something disgusting that you don't want to hear when you're eating neck bones. Or, you, know, you don't want to hear about a, you know, a penis or something. Whatever I was talking about in those days. Because early on, when you don't have jokes, you just run to really hacky shit. And I'm sure I was doing mm. that. You know.
0: so. Was it a matter of kind of trying different things that worked or trying to kind of you know, try things it was, on? It was and just, just to- a matter
1: of me finding that comfort level that I found uh, when I played music at one time and when I did plays and improv. I just had to find that. It was, and I had to bring this new art form to it. And once I started to figure that out, And I started to to get some pretty good jokes. And then I got pretty good where I could just say stuff off the cuff and and know that it would work. Um, That and also, too, um, people really like um, when you can just do things with your face while you're talking and with your body. Once I started doing more physical stuff like that, uh, I started to feel more at home doing stand-up comedy. And doing more character-driven stuff. When I first started, I tried to do character stuff. And it went horrible. Hmm. Which I really hate it because that's something I felt was a strong suit of mine. But I think I just didn't know enough about how jokes work to make that happen yet. So I had to just leave it alone for a little bit. And just try to learn how you do one-liners. And how you, you tell a story. But um, in comedy, like... When you tell a story, you, you might tell a story with your friends about, uh, oh, you know, I start working out and fuck uh, 10 gym. There's too many guys in there that look good. I went to YMCA. I don't have to worry about good looking guys, you know, it's just a bunch <laughs> of old guys. But, but hell, they walk around with their balls. Swinging you know? <laughs> so the thing is, you tell that story. But if you take, say your punchline's about the dudes, you know, he's just standing there with his old balls, Yeah, you know. <laughs> if, if you take five minutes to get to that punchline, a, a comedy audience is not going to wait. They're like babies. You got to, uh, you got to constantly, uh, wow. you got to keep them. So if you have a story, you got to either get to that punchline quick, or you're going to have to tag that story up. You're going to have to have things in that story in the meantime. I had, to, I had to learn that. You know, I didn't know that. You know, I'm up there talking way too long, and I've already lost them. Wow,
0: you know, I find it interesting too. There's no, there's no, there's not like a handbook for this, is there? I mean, there, there isn't like somebody that's going to take you, you when know, you first start. There's
1: not really a. I mean, they're trying now. You know, there's books out there. There's, um, there's even universities, but or like little college, comedy colleges, and they're good. I know Jim Gaffigan went to one in New York City, hmm. and I read the guy's book that's over at school. But I mean, really. Yeah, you just got to get up there, and I, I know you—you fell enough. You'll figure it out. Wow! Like I said, the pain of failure in comedy will—will will, it'll get you learned.
0: Man, <laughs> do you find sometimes? I guess what I was going to ask you—it's almost a two-part question—is that, I mean, are people are there? Uh, is there really is there a really limited window? I mean, are they only going to stay with you so long? And then at some point, if you're if you're not
1: there, yeah, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely want to jump out of it with something right off mm-hmm. the bat that. Like, I'm probably 80% story comedian, and then I have 20% one-liner stuff. I don't do a lot of one-liner, but it's really great to open up with some one-liners, because then I get them going. Um, I do this one joke I open up with sometimes about um, how I grew up in South Oklahoma City, and then there'll always be someone that goes, "Who's Southside, or something like that. And then, <laughs> and then I'll go, oh, you grew up in Southside? <coughs> Buenos noches, to stop. And then... <laughs> And that gets everyone going because they they realize okay yeah he lives in a predominantly Latino place you know I do that when I do local shows yeah or I'll talk about um, I did this show one time with this uh, this French this French guy owned the place and he was like really drunk or something when I got there but nice guy he gave us champagne and he paid us really well but he was like kind of making fun of some of us and he saw me he goes you must be Lene the comedian. I said, yeah, how'd you know? Said, look at you. You look funny. And oh, wow. So he's talking for a while, and then he goes, uh, look at my customer. So beautiful. He had a lot of nice people. They're, like, real, like, mm-hmm. he goes, young, beautiful, look like, uh, how you say in America, they're Netflix and chill. <laughs> and, uh, I, said, I love it. He said, Lenny, you look like maybe you do a red box in socks, you know. Oh, man. Something like that. (laughs) Wow. He he was trying to be funny, too, and he kept (laughs) kept going back and forth. I go, that's cool. I'm going to put that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's like a whole part of my opening bit sometimes. So like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, you start out with something like that. They laughed a little bit. So you see, like, and that gets them going yeah and like, all right this guy he 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 wants to make his laugh, so then I can build up into more stories they'll stay with me oh, but even okay. when I do the stories i I can't just sit there and talk for two minutes about something without mm. I do a song or song i do I do a, a joke I close with sometime about my son uh one time uh, a neighbor would call the cops on us a lot when I was younger because we'd have parties i had a lot of parties in my backyard, and uh, I had a lot of my Mexican friends over, and there'd be a lot of boom, boom, boom It'd be loud. Oh, uh, wow. But it was fun, and he didn't like that. So he would stand, like, in his backyard with his boxers on. He looked like Herbert the (laughs) Pervert. And uh, I would always, like, tell him, man, like, don't call the cops, man. We don't, because it would, cops would come over, we'd just shut it down, and it it was ridiculous. But he, he didn't even have his, he had his cordless phone out there, but. With the big buttons. <laughs> but my son said, oh, he said, Dad, let me take care of him. I was like, oh, whatever. And he's like six. Mm-hmm. He goes up there with, with his skateboarder friends. My son never talked like this. But he's like, I did Dad, what are you looking at? You want to fuck us?" <laughs> <there>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I do that joke. When I first start doing it, that punchline's a fight, but it takes so long to get to it. So what I, I have to start thinking, well, what I had to add in stuff that didn't really happen, but it's okay. Aww. You have to do that sometimes. So I was like, yeah, so my son goes up to the gay. I'm so proud. He put his joint out and just, you know, <laughs> just things like that to keep him, yeah. you know. You just can't, I mean, watch um, some of the story comedians that tell like stories like Steve Harvey or somebody. Yeah. He'll tell a story, but he's doing stuff in between the beginning and the punchline to keep you engaged. Yeah. You know, he's doing stuff with his face. He's saying, we call them tags. Hmm. You know, he's tagging up the story. So, yeah, even, even now, you know, that I got, you know, I start out with that stuff. People want to listen to me. I still have to remember I can't be chatty up here. Oh, you gotcha, know? gotcha. I got to get to it, you know, every 20 seconds. You got to get to it. You got to do something Man. for a laugh every twenty seconds. Or, wow! Uh, they just don't take you serious in this business if you don't. Man. And what about just the
0: emotional ride? I've always just been fascinated with that whole thing about you know you're, you've done you've done one thing and then you you, you know, the audience kind of gives you their feedback. You kind of work. Oh, and then it's, it's you know you're but you're tremendous. I uh,
1: I just finished a week at the Looney Bin, and I was working with these two guys. Um, one's name's Greg Morton, and he does like voice tremendous voice work amazing he does voice stuff for uh, the police academy cartoon I mean he can do voices all day I, I pride myself on what I can do but he's way better um, and he's been doing this 20-30 years hmm. Jeff Shaw same thing 20-30 years on the cruise liners uh, usually I work with guys that probably got 10 years on me and it's eh you know but these guys you know so it was kind of nerve wracking you know because I knew I wasn't going to outshine either one of them. But, you know, so that, that kind of got in my head. And There might have been one show, like, the last night, Saturday night, we had two shows. Probably that first show, I got some laughs, but I could have... I, I missed some opportunities to kill it. Hmm. Because I'm sitting there working with these guys, and one of them's giving me all this advice. And I know he means well, but it's just, stop it.
0: Is it, yeah. just, is it just too yeah, much? Was and then, it just-
1: you know, I got... And it was a big crowd. I could have just, ugh. And it, the good thing is it kind of upset me, and I talked to the headliner. He's like, and he, he's seen it. He said, yeah, you've missed a lot of opportunities to just totally slaughter this audience. So when I got up there for the second show, I said, fuck that. I'm not ending like this. Hmm. And I got up there, and I recorded it. I mean, like, every 10, 15 seconds, laughter. There was one guy up front. I know he was high, but I'll take it. <laughs> he couldn't stop. Wow! He just couldn't stop. He was hurt. Man, he shook my hand. He went out and hit his bomb. Come back, shook my hand again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as far as that whole thing, like you know, when you, you know, it's, as far as when you're in your own head, when it's you know,
1: when you're, oh, you're when, when they're like that, man, it's the greatest nice. feeling ever, and it makes you uh, remember why you do this. You know, it's a, it's like fuel, you know, and it's like I was saying earlier that. I'm up there, but it, it, they're part of it too. Hmm. I need them or I can't, I can't, I'm just in front of the mirror, you know? Yeah. And uh, if, I, if I'm if i up there telling jokes, I'm not getting their laughs. It's like I run out, you know? Hmm. Like I, I, I don't have 10 minutes if I don't have laughter. If I have laughter, I got, if I got solid laughter, I got an hour I can go. And some of it's not even stuff that I have planned, hmm. you know? Like that that night, that last show, there was like five or ten minutes of just stuff that was just jumping out of my head. Wow. While man. I was up there. So but if it it, it, it it's an energy based thing, you know. I can't I can I can't hardly do it without the energy there, you know. I mean I can try, but uh that's all I can do without the energy is just try. Otherwise with the energy I just do it.
0: Yeah. Are there nights, like, before you get on stage where you're, you know, I mean, I don't know how much you get into, like, you know, getting inside your own head in terms of, like, you know, feeling like you've got it tonight versus
1: another night? I always try to calm down. I go find me a quiet spot. Sometimes I find a quiet spot in the showroom. Sometimes I just have to go in a stall in the bathroom Mm -hmm. and just, you know, almost meditate and calm everything down, which is really weird because I get everything calm. And then when I get up there, everything's, yeah, <laughs> you know, but not if I don't do that ritual, then it's just too much. Hmm.
0: You know? And then as far as like after the show, I mean, do you have a certain, I mean, do you tend to, to uh, if you've recorded something, do you tend to kind of go jump right into that and start as far, start looking at, you know. The first the, the, thing
1: I do after a show is, I, and it never gets old, is I like to thank all the people that come out. I talk to them. They want to talk to me. Hmm. That never gets old. Yeah, I enjoy that. I've always enjoyed that. And when I see a comedian who doesn't and like runs away and hides or something, I don't. I don't fucking get it. I think it's rude, but I don't get it either. I'm like, and especially since like all the comedians I work with, for the most part, they make a good living, but they're not people anybody knows. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, come on, quit being a prima donna. Yeah, get out there, you know. But that's my first thing. Yeah. Then later, I will. I watch just like I was we were talking about the videos i sent you that you said you enjoyed i i'm already over them and they're not <laughs> they're not but like a month or two old and that's that's just one thing that is kind of tough about jokes um like if you're a musician you write a good song like he was talking about earlier yeah you get tired of that song but people don't people want to hear that song you know forever rolling stones have been you know playing some of the same songs since the 60s oh yeah you know um, but as a, as a comedian, you know, a lot of times they don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> like if I, if I uh, ever get established in any shape or form and I'm doing the same joke I did like five, 10 years ago, they're like, I get the fuck out of here. Wow,
0: man. Yeah. It's interesting because I know like you go back 20, 30, 40 years ago and comedians maybe had, you know, a set that they would just, you know, continue there, to stay there with There are
1: them. some that, that Get that sort of thing. It's, yeah, they're far and few between. I think like Andrew Dice Clay, you know, people that liked him back then and still like him now. Uh, I kind of grew out of them, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people want to go see him do the same stuff he did in the '80s. Wow, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. They want to hear that get her done. Boy. Yeah, uh, what's Foxworthy? They want to mm-hmm. hear that might be a redneck. Blah blah blah. You know, some people some people will live off that forever. I. Wow. But for the most part, I like, take a comedian like Dave Chappelle, you know, he, he does great, but he has to do something different every time. You yeah. Know, you, when it's comedy, you have to constantly I mean you can kinda get away with it if you're like me, like nobody knows who I am, you know, I'm still not but like once you get on their level you have to to keep succeeding, you have to keep doing all new stuff all the time. Is that what kind of
0: what they call like you got to have a new hour like you know you maybe have? Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember there was a documentary uh, Seinfeld What was that like an O two O one O two? It was called comedian. I thought it was very interesting because he was they were documenting him throwing out all of his old stuff, and I mean it was evidently a huge thing at that time and you watched him going into like Carolines and these small comedy clubs in New York City just like going up for five minutes or going up for ten minutes and to watch a guy who was so famous and with the you know, the sitcom literally watching him struggle and talk about how hard it was to literally start over again I just thought yeah. to myself man that's yeah.
1: Well take someone like Louis C.K. who is a horrible person by the way uh, <laughs> <laughs> but let's just talk about his stand up uh, one thing he did um, stand-up wise, uh he can like do a different set almost every night. Yeah. Wow. I I can't do that. You know, I can take well, I can do it for about two or three nights, but I couldn't do it for a whole week. Mm. And I, I can take jokes and then I can like start playing around with, you know, improv stuff a little bit, throw that in there, but I can't change the entire set for a whole week. I'm just not I'm not at that point. In my life. But, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. You've got to cons- constantly, you know. And I'm just now starting to write. I never wrote a joke. Hmm. I would come up with an idea and I would run with it on stage. That was just the theater improv. And, um, but now I'm trying to, like, be a professional. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, write stuff out, see what that's all about. Yeah. yeah it's, it's helpful.
0: And then as far as, I guess I'd ask you, like, who, you know, who is Lenny Van Horn on stage compared, as compared to Lenny Van Horn, let's say, like, in day-to-day life? I mean, if there's, I don't know if that's a fair question or not, or just in terms of maybe what, you know, people's experience of you, you know, one versus the other. Uh,
1: one of them gets stage lighting.
0: Ah, a okay. microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So
1: yeah. We hear, you hear about this all the time. You bump into someone or, you know, well, I work at the bar around the corner and I, Oh, I heard you're the comedian guy. Tell me a joke. I'm like, hey, give me some stage lighting and a <laughs> microphone and <Yeah>. some pay. <laughs> so, and then we'll talk, right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It, um, I'm a, I guess I am a little more shy, personally. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm awkward with uh, interacting with people sometimes, like in the grocery store. It's weird. I saw someone that I knew in the grocery store the other day. I hadn't talked to in like eight years. I just avoided them. Hmm. <laughs> just like totally turned because I'm just so awkward in those environments. Hmm. Like, I don't get it. You know, I'm awkward on a date. I'm like, but up there. I don't know something. Yeah, just clicks. Wow, man. And I'm glad I'm not that way all the time. I would drive fucking people crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then I guess the last thing I'd ask you is, we're kind of, it's kind of, kind of coming to, towards the end of this. I mean, what at the end of the day, you know, why? I guess if I would at, was to ask you, you know, why do you do this? I mean, is there, yeah, if, there, if that's a fair question, or to kind of sum that up, maybe. I mean, why? You know, at the end of the day, what is what is it that uh, propels you to keep getting, getting up on that stage when you do? And free drinks. <laughs> it That's it, huh? No, um,
1: I'm hoping one day if I do enough of these with you, yeah, James Lipton will see it from the Actors Studio. Yes, yeah. Put me on, <laughs> or at least you'll start to dress like him. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe
0: sorry, I, Although I don't know if I can talk like him. You. you do a good invitation of Oh yeah,
1: yeah. And ask the what is it the. A- Questions or something? Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? <laughs>
1: Just one?
0: There's got to be more than that. Pussy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I bet he guys not heard that one yet. <laughs> no, okay, before we Probably talk, not. I'll no. tell you where that came from. Yeah. Um, and I do a joke about it. When you go to, like, a, say, Looney Bin Comedy Club for open mic night, and if you guys feel funny, go there on Wednesday night, sign up. Hmm. Uh, one of us established guys in there will, or ladies, will have a meeting with all the people signed up for the open mic. Hmm. And we will, you know, there's rules. Like you go up four minutes you, uh, for open mic night. You, um, there'll be a light to let you know and get off stage, you know, all that stuff. And, and when you're an open micer, they, they have language rules. I didn't understand that at first, but now I do. Because one time a homeless schizophrenic guy came up there, and he signed up, and he was just like, ah, (coughs) motherfucker. Oh, man. Just the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it just stung in your ears. So I get why it's so... So this friend of mine, Ben Flint, real funny guy, check him out if you get a chance. But he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a vanilla comedian. Hmm. He's a real... White guy, kind of, you know, looks like a soccer dad. And he's up there doing the meeting, and he's like, All right, guys, here's the thing uh, uh, Club PG 13, uh, that means, uh, you know, you get away with a shit, maybe a damn, but <laughs> no motherfucker, no, no fucking bitch. <laughs> No dick in the butt. <laughs> no pussy juice. <laughs> when he said pussy juice, <laughs> I lost it. I was like, "Oh <laughs> man, how'd you know it was <laughs> pussy juice?" Now every time I hear that, it's, oh, like, it's like the secret word on Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> <in> <laughs> pussy juice. <knew> <laughs> oh man! I don't know where you can find that in a twelve-ounce can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: stuff man like an energy drink yeah <laughs> got to be down. <laughs> <Get some. laughs> good stuff man <laughs> Get <it on> you. <laughs> oh man i Thank- should have done this the
1: whole interview damn it yeah yeah Fine. but you saved
0: the best for last though i'd say yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm man. just
1: disappointed there's no change Ah. should have known there was a musician sitting here before me (laughs) now there's there's definitely no change after i'm here
0: thanks so much man it was great talking to you really appreciate you you taking the time man thank you